might sound like a cliche, but I have a very new team. So we have been working together in this existing form for this is the fifth week. And I have a lot of proud moments like every week. But one was uh, last week we were having this uh, sales conference for all the managers of Apotex Group. And so it was almost 200 people gathering. When I listened to my team members and when they're up on stage and, Mm -hmm. and being so very both professional, but also themselves and very both competent and, and open at the same time. And really like being able to compose a room of 200 people and build trust uh, from straight stage, that's super cool. And that I experienced that last week and I just felt yeah, euphoric. Yeah. That's amazing, that's, yeah. that's great. Hi, this is Benjamin. I'm the host of the CEO and Culture Podcast, a podcast by Local Glimpse, of which I'm also the co-founder. If you don't know what Local Glimpse is, we're on a mission to transform HR communications for good. We specialize in creating authentic series of videos with employees. In this podcast, we will ask different CEOs about their views on company culture and leadership. If you are more of a visual person, you can follow Local Glimpse on LinkedIn for a video summary of each episode. In this episode of the CEO and Culture podcast, I had a great discussion with Sarah from Apotex Groupen, who became CEO after seven months being the head of HR. She's part of a very exciting change happening where CHROs are getting an increasingly important role and responsibilities in the business. We discussed self-awareness, decision-making, and trust. I hope you'll enjoy listening in on our conversation. Thank you for being joining us on the CEO and Culture podcast. You're right, culture is not something we have, it's something we do. What does that mean? I'm thinking what you said about uh, employee branding, like that it can be actually some kind of just talk about stuff, like branding with glossy papers. And uh, I don't really believe that that will make a change. People will still realize what the company is made of once they join. If they don't like it, they will leave. So it's quite simple. And the culture that is a company is not the words we we define, really. It's not like we are these three words. It is what we do every day, how we act towards each other, how we communicate, how we take responsibility for, for ourselves in interaction with other people. So it's both what we actually decide to give, but also what we decide to, I mean, all our crazy stuff, because everyone is crazy, more or less, I think and that we need also to take responsibility for. So everything that is us creates the culture. And from what I get, it's the accumulation of your daily routines, your daily doings, and the accumulation of personalities. Yeah, it is. And and also, I mean, just a simple thing. If I decide to go to work and not greet my colleagues by looking them in the eyes, of my colleagues. That will definitely have an impact on culture if everyone does that. Uh, or if I actually greet my colleagues with a smile or at least eye contact and saying, hi, good morning, how are you? It will make a difference. Yeah. So that is creating the culture, what you do, not something we just can take for granted because we have the words written on the walls. How do you even explain that? I can relate that to partly what I know, which is branding in a way where mm-hmm. 
it's just the accumulation of how you've been perceived. Sometimes mm. someone is going to see, like you did, a short clip of, oh, those guys are funny. And that is the accumulation of that that yeah. builds a brand. So it's very hard to justify that when you're head of HR or culture, head of culture, whatever you want to call it, to sometimes CEO or management uh, position where they might think like, this is not tangible. Well, I think that modern leadership or the leadership that I want to be is myself, regardless what role I have. That means that I need also to be aware of myself, obviously, yeah. because I, if I'm unconscious about my behaviors or how, how I affect people around me, people see that anyway. You are always more transparent than you think, right? Yeah. So then it's like trying to cover up your flaws. I think that's one of the first mistakes you do as a, as a leader. Because yes, some things you have to be able to decide stuff. You have to be able to be firm when that is time for that. And you always have to be like receptive what's around you. Yeah. But still, you are yourself and that's what you have to play with. And that requires self-awareness in order to function as a leader, I think. Yeah. And I lead with my bad sides as well, unfortunately. Oh, what is your bad side? Oh, I have many. But I try to do good. I try, I try my best every day. And I don't believe in, in acting in a way that like, this is my CEO act. I don't buy that. Because then I will focus on, on trying to hide parts of myself or trying to be ver very self conscious in a way that will prevent me from focusing on the people and the business. So it's like if I can create a culture where people are really secure and safe and really feel that I can be here regardless my true self. Yeah, exactly. My true self. So you've been at the realm of the company as the CEO for about six months and you were head of HR for uh, six months before that. Yes. How, regarding what you just said, how did your role change? Well, I think it changed fundamentally, actually. I mean, from one day to another, I actually physically felt the responsibility of a thousand plus people, actually. And also, definitely the, in relation to the shareholders as well. Like, they have trusted me that this will go well <laughs> and go great. But it was a really big difference. I mean, the, the sensation yeah. of being responsible for the culture development of Apotex Group. And because that was a very lovely, fantastic role. But you are not the one solely responsible for the company. And yeah. how has your day-to-day -day changed? Like, what is it that you do now? Well, now I have the great joy of... Um, being involved in, in everything, but actually uh, learning a lot of stuff, but also being able to be deeply involved in, in our business. And that is something I love. I mean, as an HR, like a people director, I had a good boss in that sense, uh, who actually encouraged me and, and expected me to be involved in business. So it wasn't like a, a traditional yeah. HR manager role or, yeah. you know, if... I think this is really key to mm. the transformation we're seeing today where more HR are becoming involved in, in the business because mm. the growth of the company is 
highly dependable, if not the most dependable, on its people. But you've never been, right? Or were you? I had my own business before. Okay. And because I've been reflecting on this as well. So that maybe helped. Yeah, because I joined Apotheksgruppen as a consultant first. Okay. So I was actually an advisor, yeah. you would say. Uh, both in terms of leadership, but, but also actually when it comes to like strategic work. So I think that I gave myself a platform in that sense. And I, I also got the platform from, from the previous CEO who trusted me. So I think that the view of me from, from start was not that I was a, a people director, an HR person, but the view of me was that I was Sarah and that I have had uh, a set of skills. Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that could be beneficial to the company. So that was like my entrance. Um, so, so what was the transition? I think it was because, I mean, I've never been good at staying in a box, ever. And in this company, I wasn't expected to be in a box, which made my platform bigger. That made me very, I felt safe and I felt... Um, Self to like innovate and Yeah, and, and, and be creative and, be, and take place, take my space. So, so it was always, I was welcomed in, in the different forms. Were you, is that something that you had even imagined that you could become CEO? No, I mean, if you've asked, asked me one year ago, I think I would have laughed quite hard. <laughs> I, I've never strived upwards, but I've always strived forward yeah. in a way. And yeah. I love to develop and I love to both develop me and also the, the yeah. context I'm in. But so the people who, who thrive to go forward usually are the ones who go upward in a way without so you were offered the job yes mm. and um when i had digested it it felt very natural mm. so that was also a cool experience that i, I never once got like no i will not be able to do that but i actually felt like yeah of course i can do that have you have you seen any any other people move from Head of HR to, to CEO? Do you have like experience like that? No. Do you think it sh should happen more? Yes, of course. Uh, it should. And um, I mean, head of people should be people experts. At least from, from my perspective, that's where we should really contribute. And people is what companies are made of. So, so definitely, yes. So how do you approach economic growth from a, a CEO perspective? the HR background that you have? How do you focus on the numbers in a way? How do you focus on growing the company, like you said, for mm. the shareholders in a way? Mm. Well, actually, what I'm trained within like a systemic theoretical approach. Can you go more into details about what this is? and what Yeah, okay. So, so if we look at the pharmacy, if you're linear, you look at the numbers and you see, okay, we might need to do this and that change the assortment or have this campaign yeah. and things will work out yeah. fine. For me, yes, we should look at that. Mm -hmm. But we should also look at, for example, where is the pharmacy located? What are the demographics of, of the actual place where the, the pharmacy is? How easy is it to get access of pharmacists in this, this region or this area? So that everything is interconnected. Yeah, and the, the interiors of the pharmacy, is it old? Is it new? What does it feel for? How does it feel for the customer to enter the pharmacy? What is the sales skills of the staff? I mean, so everything will definitely affect the numbers of the pharmacy. 
do you look at all these problems or systems or cog through a people perspective, maybe? Yes, of course. But but it also, I mean, that's one part. And that's what I focused on a lot when almost only when I was the people director. As a CEO, you always focus on numbers. I mean, I, I wake up every morning and looking at our KPIs, I get these text messages and either I like jump out of bed and get like, yay, or I get really like, no. <laughs> and then I call some a colleague from the team and like, do you know what happened here? And I often get the get the good response. So <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, you have to have an interest in the business and in the numbers and in creating change also from a financial point of view mm -hmm. to be a, a CEO of a company in the, of this size. You were hired primarily to work on culture, right? Yes. How did you implement? Is, is six months enough to do that? No. <laughs> but I mean, if if I had the trust to do this, that as a people director, mm. I mean, the, the impact I can have as a CEO changing the culture, that's, I mean... Immense. Yes, it is. So that's, I see that I still have the same same mission. It's just gotten much bigger. Yeah. So the mission is to to work on the culture and to create this fantastic company. What is the work, the kind of work you started when you joined? What, what kind of impact were you trying to have on the company, culture-wise? So my long rant in the beginning, <laughs> talking about transparency, and uh, because that's what it is, uh, talking about uh, leading through vulnerability in a way. I want to create a culture where everyone feels that I'm okay. And so how did you implement that? Well, How did you push people to, to feel okay in a I way? I do that by being vulnerable when it's appropriate. I mean, I don't go around every day and being vulnerable. That's not <laughs> what, That would be irritating, I think. But, you know, just being like responsible for myself and, and being open with what I see, what I, what I feel, what I reflect on. And, and uh, yeah, if I notice that I'm a bit too far off or if I lose someone or if I actually... You know, maybe I'm avoidant when I need to actually approach because in every, for everyone, even for me, it's interpersonal. Leadership is, is hard. I mean, it is. it is. It is hard to manage expectations, especially in a situation where, like ours, where we are in constant and massive change. So it is like every day is challenging in that sense. So, what do you mean you're in constant massive change? Can you, what is happening? I mean, one year ago, we, we've totally changed the business model of the company. Okay. So we went from being state-owned service office that was providing services to uh, like 120 or so entrepreneurs. So that were owning one or several pharmacies. Mm -hmm. So the... The pharmacy Apotex Gruppen was uh, consisting of 185 or so pharmacies, whereof only four were owned by the state. And then one year ago, uh, Europoteca, which is one of uh, Northern Europe's largest pharmacy chains, uh, they acquired the head office and they acquired a majority of the pharmacies. So now today we have still have 40 or so 35 plus pharmacies that are entrepreneur driven. There are still franchisees. And then we have 160 pharmacies that is chain driven. 
So and all that happened overnight. So from one day to from another, a big a big buyback. Yes. Almost. So we suddenly we had like thousand employees instead of hundred something. So that's a massive change, and and with that comes we had one hundred and say that we had one hundred and ninety pharmacies that were different companies, and now we are creating one. Yeah. And I'm leading that change, and that is all about you know making sure that we do things the right way or we have the the same routines processes i mean the the just if you look at it from an operational point of view and a retail point of view you can imagine that that change process is massive yeah to to have like in 10 years it's been one way and then suddenly we say that okay so this is the way we do it now did the entrepreneur stay as maybe the director of individual pharmacies? I would say uh, most of the previous owner left. They sold their companies and they left. So uh, there's also this, I mean, pharmacists are a scarce resource in our part of the world. And um, that is a challenge to really make sure that people join us and wants to stay and, and all of that. So it's, uh, it's a transformation mm-hmm. as a company that we're in. And also looking at the the role of the service office. Before we were providing services for commercially driven entrepreneurs. Yeah. Today we are owning the commercial business in the head office. So you ended up with a whole new range of, I guess, director of individual stores or maybe region or however yeah, you do it. Yeah, we, we have a lot of new managers mm-hmm. and also a lot of new employees new departments yeah did you have to recruit a lot of people for that or were most of the people that were already employed stayed the whole business actually have a quite high turnover rate okay if you are a very attracted resource then you it happens yeah. that you try to get your you raise your salary or yeah. maybe you don't really think that this is optimal i will choose someone else and i will get a new job tomorrow yeah. so So it is a fast rotation on yeah. the market. For us, like one and a half, two years ago, when the discussions in the media started that we were going to get be sold, then obviously people got a bit anxious, perhaps. Yeah. And so, so how did you handle that change, or more, what kind of? I would say it's almost starting. You, maybe mm-hmm. it's an opportunity in a way. You're mm-hmm. starting from scratch almost. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. That's it's fantastic. Doesn't happen often. No. I mean, what we're doing is that we are creating the culture and building the house from while the we are living yeah. in it. That's what we're doing. Must Someone be Someone said that. Uh, okay, so we're actually constructing the road uh, while we're driving on it, and I was like, yeah, but you know, we can do have this off road deeps <laughs> no but you know building the house we're, we're living in that's mm-hmm. the feeling actually and it's amazing and we have so much good stuff in this company also because we come from the entrepreneurial side yeah because we have a lot of energy a lot of passion a lot of like ambition in the culture if we look at the kind of You say like you're building the road while you're driving on it. What kind of culture are you then trying to implement? How would you describe Apotex Group and culture? I would say that what what struck me when I joined last September, one exactly one year ago, was the sincerity of people. There is this genuine 
will to do good yeah. in this company. And that, I love that. We have, we have this um, yeah motto, which is we truly care. That, is, that comes from the, the culture of this company, because we do. And we are very, very engaged in the customer and helping the customer out in the pharmacies. And that for me, I'm, I'm always, I, I'm, I'm trying to travel as much as I can and, and visit our pharmacies and speak to our, my colleagues and listen to uh, the reality. I meet this all everywhere I go. I see, I mean, for example, we were shooting employer branding uh, movie out in our pharmacy in Urminge. So we were doing this photo shoot and suddenly the, the pharmacy uh, manager he came up to me and said, I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah, but is it okay if we just take a pause, if we just stop a while? Because we have this, this uh, customer and, you know, it's his birthday today and we promised him that we, should, that we would sing to him. And that is for me, that's our culture and that's our company. You know, we don't know, just know the names of our com- customers. When I, when I visit, for example, I went to, to Gotland and visit one of our company there and, and and I'm talking to the pharmacist and then suddenly in comes this old lady. And of course, she just greets her by name and she not only know her name, she knows her, her husband's name and knows the pet's name. I mean, it's on that level. How is it to implement or to work on a company culture from distance, really, from yeah. so many different places? Yeah, that requires uh, an infrastructure when it comes to communication. And that's one of the things that we're struggling with, for example, having an, an optimal intranet, for example. That's it's important for real. I mean, it's, it's not just nice to have, it's neat to have. And also making sure that we have the right organizational structure. I mean, knowing that we have the right balance on managerial levels and, and having always having somewhere to go with your concerns or your, your new fresh ideas or whatever. And that is taking place right now. And I see that we are actually setting that. But it is crucial that the, this infrastructure works, that there is some kind of chain of command in a way, mm. and that responsibility is clear and mandates are clear. And, and also that we talk about what's important and expectations. Have you hired a new head of HR? Yes. What's his her name? Uh, it's Sophie. So what's going to be her role and how much are you going to let her do her thing? I mean, you've been so involved in HR. I really hope that I am letting Sophie do her thing now because that's, I mean, I have no ambition whatsoever. What I do is I recruit people I trust. I trust them to do a fantastic work. So, and then I know that she knows that if she needs a, sparing partner or something i'm always there it's it's, that's the same for everyone in my team how do you work together i'm guessing that she's pretty new in the world but do you work together on deciding the vision for the company on on transparency on the way you you're going to let people be themselves Mm. i mean you built when you came you built infrastructure in a way for that to happen Mm. what if she would want to create something completely different what would that be what do you think? I don't know. Maybe maybe she likes micromanaging. <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> and, and you know, one of the key things for success uh, of a company is that you have the right people in the different places, mm. I would say. 
So you two basically aligned on, on, on the vision oh, yes. before? Yes. We worked together for, yeah. of course, for six months, but we worked very closely and, and we talk about everything. And that's actually my, the way I lead as well. I, I want to be able to talk about everything because I'm, I don't know if I, I'm not good at with poker faces and stuff like that. So it's better that I have trustworthy people that, that I can communicate with. They communicate back. So from my, of course, now, formally, right now, we're in the middle of a strategic discussion, period. <laughs> so that's that's one answer. Yeah. So we are setting up, building our strategies for the company uh, five years ahead. So um, that's what we're up to right now. And that's both for people and for, for business in, in general. And that's where you align. And that's where you decide what road to take and what uh, to focus on. I always think that the best company, that the ones that grow maybe very fast or that are able to really go forward, have a culture where that doesn't fit to everyone in mm, a way yeah. that is very agile. Yeah. And also like that is a bit restrictive in a way, not that you become like too much of a exclusion, but more that maybe people, maybe some people are not a good fit and shouldn't apply. Who shouldn't apply? Narrow-minded uh, people who are excluding in their way of being. I don't think you will like it here. That's actually because, we, and also my ambition and, and the management team's ambition and most of the people I know here have an ambition of increasing transparency and togetherness is like the key here. And what I want to add, because your question was before actually a few times, like what culture are trying to create here? And I would say togetherness and passion to win because that is the part where we haven't been front runners when it comes to this competitiveness. And I know we have it. So I just want to, you know, vacuum it mm -hmm. and, and like, yeah, have it emphasizing it. Yeah. Because that's what you need to have in order to go somewhere in a very competitive market. How do you think you differ from other competitors? We are much faster. That's for sure. How? Like faster to decisions, more bold, more brave, more open. Definitely. I mean, I think it's not much. I don't know if it's if I'm allowed to say political bullshit, but I mean, I've been in many companies and actually different corporate cultures. And my experience, sadly, is that the higher up you come, the more political bullshit is taking place and the more uh, hidden agendas is being present in the boardroom or in the management team. And in this company, I would say we don't have it. We definitely don't have it in the management team. We don't have it in the holding. And that allows you to go fast. Yes, because actually we talk about things for what they are. And we trust that we want to do good. And we can have discussions and we can disagree, but it's almost on a fact-based level like perspectives being battled and not prestige. And for me, that's unique. And that makes us faster, braver. I was uh, listening to a podcast recently from, uh, it's called Cold Case from HBR. And they were talking about the case of Booking.com, mm -hmm. where inside the organization, they have a radical openness of testing, meaning that anyone is allowed to run a test and anyone is allowed to kill a test. Meaning that <laughs> at any given point, their website have from five to 500 different homepages that are served to different customers just because one 
random developer oh. decided to run a different test. <laughs> uh, and that wow. allows them to be extremely fast against competitor yeah. because competitor sits in a boardroom and decides forever mm -hmm. if they're going to actually yeah. do it or not. How do you approach tests? How do you approach, in a way, this is part of the feedback culture, but can anyone just try something and actually implement no. it? No. The reason I say that is not that I don't find it very appealing as an idea. It's a different uh, industry. But I you mean. know what? Yes, and we are a strictly regulated business. And that's one thing <laughs> which requires that we do things by the book in some areas, at least. The other part is that like changing, having this massive transformation that, that we're in, it requires clarity. We are right now in, in the phase where we are setting the framework. And we are like defining the rules and, and where are boundaries? What are the expectations? So in that phase, it's not sustainable to actually, you know, go on saying that, okay, just go. Because we've had that before in a way when it was entrepreneurs. And then you could go your own way. Today, we cannot work like that because mm -hmm. it's not profitable. Can you tell me about maybe a setback or a difficult time? that you encounter while leading that change? What were the consequences? How did you handle it? I think that at least every week I have challenges in managing expectations. I think that happens in every leadership, but also in, in a situation where there is a lot of change going on. And it requires that you communicate, 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 communicate. And sometimes I fail. And sometimes what I find is if I have a lot of things to do it's really easy to to avoid the difficult stuff because you know oh I didn't have time so you become avoidant and it's never actually good to do that but still it happens the only way to to actually manage change and manage expectations is actually by talking about things for what they are and being very honest in an empathetic way and that is it's difficult because it's also easy. I mean, I remember like in my previous life, when I was working as an HR director, for example, in some company, it could be, okay, so we need to downsize a lot. So you have to have this role of being the, the HR director that is like exiting people. A mistake that I did in the beginning was that I took on this, you know, this quite tough role because it was difficult. I had to sit there with the person and make that person disappointed and, and sad and upset. So then it's much easier to put on an armor and be like, I have these professional things I need to tell you and da, 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 da. And I've done my job and you get this deal and bye, bye, bye. Thank you. Goodbye. And that, that's been a learning, very important learning for me, like how to manage difficult situation and still having your empathy switched on and still not being unclear. And, and that is still, it's difficult. I mean, not that I have to exit people today in that sense, but it's making people disappointed. I mean, I see myself as a person who wants to do good and wants the best for people. And then, of course, I don't want to make them upset. Or, and then it's just trying to connect with the like, the fact in your head, what is the cold analytics here? What is the cold analysis? And then connect it with the empathy and be clear and be brave. 
Do you think you're better at it today? Oh yes, much better. But I'm not. I'm still struggling. I what, think I always will struggle. What do you think your employee would say? What would you like them to say? Now, what I was would like them to say um, is that I want to do good, that I'm clear. But I I know that I fail sometimes. That's what it is. You have to own up to that. Yeah. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you you feel like you would like to to mention? Just as a as a curiosity, what's your view on the the leap from like people director mm-hmm. to to CEO? I think we see a lot of the natural path is for CFO to become CEO because they have the financial understanding, the economic growth perspective, and then they a lot of them still do become CEO. I think is that we're seeing more and more head of HR taking a more important place in the company. Forget about becoming CEO, but just having becoming number two, just being like the right hand mm-hmm. person to the CEO because the f- different HR managers and director that I talk to more and more do not take this role necessarily only from a administrative perspective or even culture perspective, but really how do we empower people to drive business growth? So I think what we really need to do and what probably CEOs needs to understand is that if they empower their HR to drive or to be included in the business decisions mm. and to to drive the growth of the company from a people perspective that it would maybe be even faster and bigger than from only a financial perspective so i think it's it's about the same way hr directors are their core job is or used to or is to empower people to be the best at their work I think the role of the CEOs need to be to empower HR director to see a slightly bigger picture mm. and have this broader view of of the entire company mm. because I think it will just lead to more growth at the end. I think the more that happens the more top management is going to realize and like board members and shareholder that this is an, a necessity in a mm. way. I think it's a diverse how HR work it it looks very different from company to company so it's a huge spread on what is the role of hr depending on company and depending on the profile of the person so that is really also an aspect like what's the role of hr actually how can we make that become as relevant as possible yeah and i i think like 10 years ago there was this really big drive that now we need to to make sure that HR moves into the management teams. That mm-hmm. was the, the first, like, they should be part of the management team. Now, that's very that's very common today. Yeah. But then it also was this, we need to be more business-minded. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot about, you know, using KPIs and mm-hmm. talking like a CFO when you're in HR. Mm-hmm. And that I don't buy. I don't buy that. I mean, it's not that we shouldn't know our statistics. Mm-hmm. Of course we should. We should know the bigger data, but we shouldn't speak that language out loud. I think what we should do is be experts on people. And like Mm. what you said, what is actually driving growth of companies? Mm. What is driving motivation, engagement, all of that? How can we make sure that our employees want to deliver to the targets? You also said that when you wake up in the morning, you look at the KPI as a CEO. Yes. 
So if we yeah, yeah the company yeah. KPIs I, yes yeah the sales figures yeah but as if you as an HR person in the management if you think that your value and your your right to exist is depending on how much you can talk about FTs or voluntary turnover or sick leave or things like that mm. that I don't think okay so the key, I, I think probably it's just a maybe to refocus so that HR directors care about companies KPI like sales KPI yes. as they have the capacity Always. to drive that growth more than from a just in that sense i think that if you if you want a really strong management team then everyone would be generalist so everyone should be their owner of their own special area but they should definitely also be generalist in a way caring for the business mm-hmm. care, being engaged that platform should be obvious so you ha- you are allowed to interfere in any area when you're in the management team and when you are representing the leadership of the company there should be no boundaries in that but talking about the specialty of being an hr then what we can add to the table is the constant reminder of how can we make sure that our employees buy into this how can we make sure that the why is clear how can we make sure that we are this this business decision is implemented in the best possible way and also that it is the best decision looking at also taking into account the people so that is business minded hr i think it's it's going to be an interesting 10 years yeah who would you recommend that we interview next ooh christopher valleharju christopher valleharju he's at cdon.com that would be interesting I can relate to the way he writes posts on LinkedIn actually because he comes across I ha- I don't know him at all but he comes across as a authentic leader and uh, a person who wants to develop something uh, based on people's motivation and uh, I'm also curious from a business point of view like the life of the sector of, of e-com and Cedion yeah we'll try to get Christopher on the podcast yeah now. all right I can just say like thank You're you Sara for joining us on uh, this episode of CEO and Culture podcast. Mm, thank you very much for having me. Was fun. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the CEO and Culture podcast together with Sara from Apotex Group. And if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that would really help the show. As I mentioned at the beginning, we do film each podcast and create video snippet out to publish on our social media. I encourage you to go on LinkedIn and Instagram and follow us at LocalClimps if you want to get a peek of the conversation. See you next time for a new CEOs and culture podcast episode. Bye-bye.